Awesome. How's everybody doing? Good. What, you know what? We, I don't know if we hugged anybody yet. Have you hugged anybody yet? Let's hug. Come on, y'all. Let's hug. Come on. Everybody hug. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, if it's your first time, you'll get used to us. Yeah. That's why I said. If it's your first time, you'll get used to us. We like to hug. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God is restoring the revelation that church is family. Amen. The kingdom is family. That's getting restored in the earth. And, you know, for some of us, that's a dysfunctional word. So it doesn't, you're like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know about this family thing. But, you know, it's good. It's a good thing to have people in your life that, through thick and thin, are there. Thank you, Beavers. Thank you, Jay. I could just go around the room and just thank you guys for who you are in our lives and who you are to one another. And, I, you know, God's strengthening this family. He's strengthened. I really, really want to encourage you guys to get involved in one of the life groups. Because I tell you what, you won't feel connected until you're connected. <laughs> and um, every one of our leaders is awesome, and we just want to get to know you, and we want to grow with you. We want to grow together. How many of you know we're growing right now? You may not be able to see it, but we're growing. We're growing in stature. We're growing in, in our ability to see God and see what he's like and experience him in greater depths and love people effortlessly. I can't say that, but you know what I'm saying? Effortlessly. There we go. You know, have you know kingdom living is not supposed to be hard? Did you know that it's supposed to just be a way of being? It's a way of of being. We be Jesus. We be, right, Shelly. We be Kaylee. We just be. We be. I think that's been the, the hardest. I think that's the hardest transition when we come into the kingdom is is getting delivered from doing into a lifestyle of being, Right? I'm going to talk a little bit about that, more about this morning. But, you know, we have two minds. I don't know if you knew that. We have two, two minds. We have the doing mind and the being mind. And most of us have never exercised any part of our minds but the doing mind. You know, the doing mind is busy. It's thinking. It's analyzing. It's planning. It's worrying. It's, it's uh, just not resting. And it's not being. Right? It's usually caught up in yesterday or it's caught up in tomorrow. It's caught up in judgment and right and wrong and good and bad and just all kinds of stuff that Jesus came to set us free from. I mean, I'm thankful for the doing mind, but the doing mind has to be, it has to be subdued because the doing mind, I mean, we need it. I mean, like if you need to get to, you know, Denver you need to probably know how to get to Denver, right? So, I mean, it's a blessing. It's a blessing that we know how to do things. That's a blessing. It's a blessing that we've, um, you know, we've got an autopilot that, you know, once we do, some, rep, you know, re- repeat a task over and over again, that 
We don't have to relearn how to tie our shoe every time we put our shoe on, right? I mean, that's a blessing. But a lot of times we can let the autopilot and the doing part of our mind just rule our lives. And what ends up happening is that we aren't living. We're not living. We're not, we're not, we're not being. We're not being right this second. And then we grow old and we wonder what happened to our lives because we were always somewhere else rather than here right now in the moment. This is a gift. It is a gift to be with all of you guys this morning. It's a gift to be in the family of God. It's a gift to, like, get to look at you. It's a gift to to be able to experience your presence. It's a gift. And, you know, every person is a gift on the planet. Every person. Even those irritating ones. Jesus died for them. Jesus loves them. Jesus, like, gave it all for them. Even though they may not even know him. They're a gift to the planet. Even if they don't know it, they're a gift. Whoo, it's just a gift to be alive. It's a gift to breathe. It's a gift to, gift to, I don't know, have Starbucks. Isn't it a gift? I mean, we could live somewhere where there's not Starbucks. Hell on earth. <laughs> All right, let's, you know, I don't have to turn to the scripture because it's over there on our wall. Where's Barb? Is she here today? That was such a lovely song she sang the other day. I hope you guys are catching those lyrics because they're just so simple but so profound, aren't they? She's a gift. But it says here, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You know, if you break that down, how many of you guys used to play like freeze tag when you were a kid? Or if you're really older, you might have like did the dance, the freeze in the 70s. That was a fun dance if you remember that dance. I was a very young child, so I barely remember it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when it says be still, it's not talking about freeze. Right? It's not talking about an outward posture. Right? I mean, sometimes we need an outward posture because our inward posture is so jacked up. Can I say it? But it's not really talking about an outward posture. It's talking about an inward posture. And the inward posture is the way we were designed to live. We were designed to live with an inner stillness with an inner peace. Jesus said this, my peace I leave with you, I bequeath to you, I give you as an inheritance. My peace I give to you. He did not say a perfect life I give to you. I give to you a trouble-free, tribulation-free, non-annoying person life, free life. That's what I'm leaving for you. Heaven on earth, you will be in a vacuum alone with absolutely no problem ever again. Right? That's not what he said. He said, my peace, my shalom, my wholeness, okay, my very character, my Jehovah shalom, me, 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 me I give you. Me I give you. I leave you my peace. I leave you my whew, inner life. And Jesus had an inner life. And guess what? His inner life was a life of stillness. You know, one of the... As you guys know, for those of you who are the first time, you don't know, but, you know, Prayer Mountain is in a transition right now. 
It's funny. We had somebody over for dinner on Friday night, and they said, wow, you've got this big financial gift, and you're cutting back. What is up with that? I said, simple is glorious. Simple is powerful. You know, the enemy doesn't really have to be real bright. He just has to make things complicated. You know, kingdom living is not complicated. Matter of fact, Jesus said that we have to become like little children. Matter of fact, we have to unlearn. Okay, the kingdom life is the art of unlearning how to be grown-ups. Right? See, when you're a kid and you try to act like a grown-up, people say, oh, they're too big for their britches. Well, most of us are too big for our britches in kingdom life. Because kingdom life is extremely simple. Matter of fact, it's a completely dependent life. Like, we actually need to digress and regress into total and ultimate and utter dependency, which makes it very simple, very simple. We follow the leader. How many of you ever learned that in school? Remember the two weeks ago we played Simon Says? Did we want to play it again? Right? What we did, what did we do? We stood up. We said, Jesus says, stand up. We stood up, right? Then we said, Jesus says, sit down, sit down. Then I said, stand up. Half of y'all stood up. Why? Because you're too big for your britches. You're too big for your britches and you don't know how to follow directions. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's really very simple. And we've been in the process of simplifying. I've been in the process of, hallelujah. Your prayers have been answered. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. It's the truth. I know y'all are praying undercover. Um, but I needed it. I needed it. Some of us still need it. I still need it. Yeah, you know, life is simple. I said this. Lily used to sing this song. I knew she's a prophetic minister at four. She would, she always has a word for me. Oh, it's fun. But I remember she was walking to the house singing, "God is simple. God is simple." And you know, to a child, that's right. That's right. And, you know, as we simplify, one of the things that we're starting to get together just as a, like as our family, our tribe, what are we about? What are we about? What are we, what are we bringing to contribute to the family of God in this city and just in this region? And who, who are we? What are, what are we? Who, what are we carrying? What do, what do we have as a DNA in our family? You know, how many of families, there's local families, there's city families, and there's different, different families, there's different tribes, there's different, different gifts, there's different graces, there's different charismas. And so who are we? And you know, it's really simple. It's that part, second part, no, no. In Hebrew, it's yada, right? In, in the Greek, it's gnosko. But it's a knowing, it's an experiential knowing. Yada, it's a Jewish idiom for sex, right? How lucky are we that we get, our, our, our DNA is about yada. It's about Ganasco. It's about, in a, you know, this, 
in a current word, encounter. This is the encounter room. It's a place dedicated to knowing God. It's a place dedicated to yada with God. To worship, which means to kiss the face. To be intimate with God. It's an intimate place. That's prayer mountain. It's a place where we practice stillness. Yeah, and sometimes it's an outer discipline because it needs to become an inner discipline. You know, abiding in Christ is also simple. It's not a 12-step formula that you work and then you're abiding. Right? And then, oh, God, you fell out. So 12 more steps. Now I'm abiding. And I'm working, I'm working to abide, I'm working to abide, I'm working to abide. No, it's a way of being. Abiding is a way of being with him. It's a being with God. It's a being with God. You know, Brother Lawrence said it's practicing his presence. Right? But it's even that sometimes I think practice. We've got to practice the presence. I mean, that's, that sounds tiring. Sounds tiring to me to practice the presence. But what I've come to learn is that it's simply about staying awake. It's about staying awake or falling asleep. It's in, and, and so the question is, are we awake or are we asleep? See, the other part of Yada and the other part of Gnosko is just an awareness. It's just what are we aware of? What are we aware of right this minute? And it is a mental uh, practice. It's a practice of noticing. It's a practice of being. It's the practice of being. And because we do have this other part of our mind that can, bam, switch over here to doing, bam, switch over here to just all kinds of activity. It's, it, sometimes it is there's a season sometimes where we're slowing down and we're, we're, we're recalibrating and we're, we're, we're unlearning. We're unlearning how to do so that we can be. I know for me, that's the season. It is a season of healing, Galen. That was a word from God. It is a season of healing. You know, that's why we've brought in Nathan, Nathan Blouse. Matter of fact, he's over at the other offices right now doing his inner healing prayer sessions. How many of you have had sessions with Nate so far? Okay. How many of you can say that they are, they're life transforming? Like in a dramatic way. Yeah. Yeah. Because Nate's methodology, let me talk about this, because you know, to me, there's all kinds of philosophies around inner healing and modalities and ways of doing it. But, you know, Nate, to me, it's just straight-up supernatural mind renewal. It's straight-up supernatural mind renewal. And it's, he's, he's, his, oh, it's, it's, it's amazing the things that hinder us from being. 
It's amazing the judgments that are stored down at a subconscious level about ourselves and about life and about what's real and and just it's amazing what's there. And in a little two-hour session, it's like going into the surgeon and him just exposing it and having an encounter with God that transforms it. Because Jesus is not just speaking truth. He is truth. And so when we encounter God, that's anytime we encounter God, like really encounter God. It's an inside-out experience. It's not someone talking at you. It's not you sitting down taking notes. I mean, there's nothing wrong with studying the Word. There's nothing wrong with sitting here. But is it, you know, if you really want to get transformed... If you really want to be um, impacted at a way that you're no longer different. See, when I look in the Bible and I read the Gospels, I see a Jesus that when he encountered people, they didn't leave the same way as when 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 he came to them. I mean, there was something dramatic happened when he when he was there. I mean, sometimes people took up their mat and they 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 would they were crippled and they could walk. Sometimes. He would say their whole life story. You have five husbands, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. Sometimes he would he would offer a, a, an act of mercy that would change everything about the way that they viewed themselves. There was an encounter with something. And time and time again, he would say, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. He would minister wholeness at the place of truth as they encountered him. And so what was happening? People were knowing God. People were gnoscoing God. They were yada with God. They were knowing him, knowing his thought, knowing his truth. And, you know, it's so simple, actually. You know, when you're in these, these, for example, these times with Nate, it's so simple. It's just like he exposes what's there, and it's just a simple little, just a simple sentence. It's not a 20-minute prophecy. It's a, you are loved. Just a simple, you are loved. But it hits something that from that moment you know, I am loved. I'm loved. And you know, knowing love changes everything. Knowing, not going, mercy changes everything. Having an encounter with him changes everything. Worship comes from a place at that point that you can't help it because he's done something to you. And him doing something through you, well, you're just okay with that, but you don't need that. You're okay with that because that's what he's doing. And whatever he's doing is cool because you're being with him. And being with him becomes a lifestyle. And guess what? He's doing stuff, so you're going to be doing stuff because you're with him. 
But it's, but it's no, no more complicated than being with him. If you can hear him, that's all you need. If you can listen and understand what he's saying, that's all, literally, it's the only skill that's required. Following the leader. So when he says, Galen has a word. Galen, did you have a word when I said that? Already? After I said it, then he came over and talked to you a minute, didn't he? Then he said, okay, you got a little healing of the back. Is that your idea? Okay. Good. Were you just being with him? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. You know? It's a being. It's a being. It's a being with him. Now, it does take practice because we've been asleep for a long time. We've been practicing a whole lot of other stuff. You know, I'm going to go to this one scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. I should read the Bible, probably. Let's see. We can read the Bible. I read it off the wall, but, you know, some of you may not have, a, may have an issue with that. But anyway. Okay, I'm going to start in Ephesians 5, verse 13. And I'm reading in the voice because I like it. In verse uh, 13, it says, when the light shines, who's the light? Yeah. When the light shines, it exposes even the dark and shadowy things and turns them into pure reflections of light. When Jesus shines, when he, when he, when he's the light and when he shines, it exposes the dark. It means you can see them. It doesn't mean like exposes them in public and shames you. Like you sinner. How shameful of you to be sinning. No, it exposes the dark and shadowy things that deception has made look like something else. And it turns them into pure reflections of light. It says, this is why they sing, awake, you sleeper, rise from your grave, and the anointed one will shine on you. So this is the word, this is the song. Awake, awake, awake. Now listen. It says here, verse 15, so be careful how you live. It means, watch, be, 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 think about, be mindful of your steps. Now listen, this is not a carefulness or a mindfulness that you do independent from the light. It's not like you go be careful or you go be mindful and then come and report to God about how you're being careful and how you're being mindful. See, we live so much of our life with a consciousness of separateness, where we are Living, 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 and now we're worshiping, 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 or now we're living, 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 and now we're praying, 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 and now we're living, living, living. Now we're reading our Bible, 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 or now we're, we're living, 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 but this living, living, living is supposed to be living, living, living. Giving your kids a bath is worship. 
going to buy tomato soup is holy. Why? Because he's with you. He's with you. Just as much as he was with his disciples. Going from town to town. That's why he said, as you go, preach. He did not say, let's organize. Now, he did occasionally say organize. He sent them out two by two. He did organize. But even when he organized, he said, as you go. He meant, as you live, as you walk. So when it says, be careful how you live, it means be aware of how you live. Be aware of your living. Be mindful. Be in the moment with every step. You know, I'm not a Buddhist. But if I wasn't a Christian, I might consider it. I know sacrilegious. You can pray for me. Cast it out. Whatever you need to do. Others have tried. I'm not sure I'm going to get delivered. Because I do believe it's God. You know, we have this idea of like the sacred, holy thing that Jesus participates in. And then the rest of the world and life and this unholy Demonically controlled, dark world, Darth Vader rules. Like Jesus is not there. Like Jesus is not in the Buddhist monastery. Like Jesus is, I mean, like Jesus is not in the crack house. Like Jesus is not in uh, the homosexual's home. Cannot reside with the filth. Like he's not speaking. Like he's not participating, like he's not loving the very ones that he actually died for. And he died for these people. He didn't just like not condemn them. He literally shed his blood for these people. Like if he's going to go that far for them, if he's going to go all the way to the cross for them, don't you think he can have dinner with them? Or don't you think he might be able to join their little rice bowl or something? A little meditation mat or like I'm just saying like if he, if, he, if he went all the way to the cross now they're unclean it's filthy I died for you but you're filthy can't, can't tolerate your presence no but I'm telling you God uses the foolish things to confound the wise so many times because we think we got it all figured out, he's got to use something else. You know, and so, but mindfulness is more of a, now it's a secular word in medicine and things like that, but it's, you know, it, it, it has its Buddhist, monkish, you know, meditation. Um, 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 right? But really, if you've really ever looked into any of it, You know what Buddhist monks do? They practice living in the moment. That's what they do. They eat their rice rather than eat their rice and think about getting their car fixed. No, they actually eat their rice. They look at the rice. They contemplate the rice. They taste the rice. They chew the rice. When's the last time you actually were, you know, thinking about what you were eating? Or even not doing 15 things while you were eating? Now, I know that may seem like, well, that is not Christian. It absolutely is the way 
of that, that Jesus it's abundant life. It's living. It says, be mindful of your steps. Listen to this. Don't run around like idiots as the rest of the world does. I love the voice translation. I probably wouldn't have translated it exactly like that. I might have, depending on who was in my company. It says, instead, walk as the wise. Now listen to this, verse 16. Make the most of every living and breathing moment. Because these are evil times. So understand and be confident of God's will and don't live thoughtlessly. So it's saying to be here, be in the moment. Eat your rice, one little rice kernel at a time, or whatever they're called. What are rice? Thank you. Thank you. Kernels would be corn. Yes. Yes. Grains would be rice. Okay. But, you know, that's why you guys are here to help me. I'm not, I'm one of these idiots that are running around. So, no, but, but what's my point? My point is just breathe. <sighs> He's with us right this minute. I've been saying this, and it's worth saying again. I will never be more loved than I am right this minute. You will never be more loved than you are right this minute. I will never be more worthwhile than I am right this minute. You will never be more worthwhile than you are this minute. The kingdom is meant to be sought, if you can say that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's meant to be sought, yielded to, submitted to, moment by moment. It's not a decision we make one time. It's a way of walking. It's a way of being. He is the kingdom. When Jesus showed up, that's when the kingdom showed up. The kingdom was him. And so being with him is abiding and being in the kingdom. Does that make sense? When's the last time you heard his voice? Don't answer. When's the last time he actually, you you, you heard it and you knew that's him? How long can you go without it? I mean, how crazy is it that, I mean, I grew up in church. I never even knew I was supposed to. Much less taught how to, or thought I spoke, you know, had confidence to. I mean, this, I've been, I've been meditating, I've been telling you guys, I've been meditating on this scripture. It's really, I really like it. I like to just pick the ones I like. The theologians that are my friends keep trying to get me to do something different. But I tell them, really, my goal is just to know them. So I may not have, like, your mind about these very complicated things that, that I don't necessarily understand, but I know them. Five nineteen says this. The truth is, now if Jesus says it's the truth, you can pretty much bet that it is. That the son does nothing on his own. All these actions are led by the father. The son watches the father closely. 
and then mimics the work of the father. Now listen to this. The father loves the son, so he doesn't hide his actions. Guess what? The father is not hiding from us. He's not hiding what he's doing. He's not hiding what he thinks. He's not hiding his will. He's not hiding. He's not hiding. How can he hide when you're in him? How can you hide from someone that is become one with you? If you're in him, you probably have access to what he's thinking. If you're in him, you probably have access to seeing from his perspective. But it's our perspective that hinders this. If we have a perspective that we're far, even though we're not, that's what we'll experience. If we have a perspective that it's hard, even though it's not, that's what we'll experience. See, Jesus had confidence in his unity with the Father. He would say, the Father and I are one. And in John 17, that was his prayer, that we would be one as he and the Father were one, that we would be in them. What the Trinity, the middle of the the Godhead. So we have access, 24-7 access. But until we become, until it becomes our expectation, we will live cheated. And the only thing that, that we really have to, to do is this stillness thing. Because the hindrance is our own doing mind. Our hindrance is our own lack of being. Our hindrances are, are the loudness that, 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 that that choke out the, the thoughts, the, the, the emotions, all of those things that choke out and make it feel, it feels like he's not close. Or it feels like I'm guilty. Or it feels like we have these feelings or we have these, these ideas. But Jesus didn't have that. That's why he could say... <laughs> I do nothing on my own. He says this in, in, in verse 30 of the same chapter. I've never acted. And I will not act in the future on my own. I mean, talk about utter dependency. I listen to the directions of the one who sent me. Now, let me just say this. I know there's a teaching in here, and I don't. Maybe y'all teach it. I'm just going to argue with it. And I have the microphone. So, na na na. That we grow out of it. See, you know, we're treated at some level like, um, you know, you're just learning the Father's ways. You're learning his heart. You're, you know, da-da-da. But then when you get older, you mature out of this level of dependency. And now you can be trusted. You can be trusted to make those decisions. You can be trusted, you know, to know the heart of God and just go and do that. That is not how Jesus ever lived. He never outgrew the need to moment by moment surrender his will to the Father. He knew where he was going. He knew where he was coming from. I'm pretty sure he had a pretty good idea about the plan of God for his life. You know, but even in the garden, 
He had to say, hey, if it be your, you know, if there's, if all things are possible for you. If there be any way, take this from me. He said, but if, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. So it was, he was surrendering. He was, a, he was living a life of surrender, moment by moment. As I've been practicing this, as I've been getting freer, as the hindrances that have been, my mind's getting quieter. That's what healing, inner healing brings. It brings a, a more quiet. It brings more quiet. Well, that's why I'm there every month when Nate's here. He's going to be here at the end of the year. I will be there every, because it's, oh my gosh, I'm like, more, 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 more. Peace is addictive. It really is. To not be controlled by Everybody and everything to be able to actually hear more clearly. Paul said this, and this is in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. And we're going to wrap up here. Probably this will be my last scripture for those of you that are clock watchers. I'm going to. Hold on, I've got to find it. Okay. Verse 10, Philippians 3.10, in the Amplified Version, it says this. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. Now, I love the way the Amplified amplifies it. He says that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And then he says, and that I may in the same way, meaning progressively, more deeply and intimately. It means that same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. So his determined purpose is to know him, gnosko him, to progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with, perceiving and recognizing and understanding more strongly and more clearly him and the power outflowing from his resurrection. That's his determined purpose. I think it's a pretty good purpose. I think it's a pretty darn good purpose. Now here's what he says. And that I may so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed into the likeness of his death. Now, we see that. We think, oh, God, share in sufferings. It means to share in the crucifixion of the cross. It means you were crucified, and you want to share fully in the crucifixion. I want to share fully in the suffering of the crucifixion. Because, see, this the power flowing from the resurrection flows first through the crucifixion. And I want to gnosko it. I want to yada it. I want to know this. I want to progressively, deeply know the crucifixion. I want to deeply know what this crucifixion is. Paul said this. When I was with you, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. There's something about the crucifixion that says, this is what it says. In the hope that if possible, I might attain... To the spiritual and moral resurrection, he says, when I, when I share in the cross, 
I'm going to attain to the resurrection. He says, that lifts me out from among the dead, even while I'm in the body. Paul says this, there's a place in knowing him. There's a place in Gnosko. There's a place in Yada where I can so identify and, and become one with and, and experience this crucifixion and this resurrection where I am living glorified. I'm living glorified even though I'm still in the body. I can share in this resurrection even while now I'm here. Now, this is nuts. This is like the transfiguration happening right now. Now, listen, he says this in verse 12. Not that I've already attained this. Or I've already been made perfect. Not that I've, I've known him. Not that I've gnosked. Not that I've fellowshiped and have intimate, intimate knowledge of him and the Father and Holy Spirit. Not that I've gotten there yet. But I press. On to lay hold of and grasp and to make my own that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me and made me his own. Which, by the way, is that. He laid hold of and made us his own. Why? So that we could gnosko him. That we could yada him. Eternal life is knowing him. In John 17, it says it just like that. It says, it says, and this is eternal life, that you might know the one true God, the Father of our Lord and his son Jesus. Eternal life is knowing God. And it starts moment by moment by moment. And I want to push the limits. I want to push the limits and see how much I can know him this side of heaven. I want to know how much I can experience him this side of heaven. I want to know how much I can experience a crucified life this side of heaven. A resurrected life this side of heaven. How much of his life can he actually shine through my life? Not even that being the motivation. The motivation isn't the shining. The motivation is the knowing. And when you're free and you know, you get transformed. So now the things that he does, you enjoy. You enjoy going low. You enjoy serving. You enjoy these things. Not because you're getting something out of it. Because it's what he's doing. And he's the greatest. But yet he serves. He washes feet. He goes to the dirty thing. He goes to the dirty thing. And he, but he, because he, why? I, unless you know him, you, you won't get the answer. It's a simple life. And so I know I'm chopping. Chopping, chopping, chopping. Like George Washington. Chopping, chopping, chopping. Chopping things that may be, may be good things. But, you know, I just, your, your, your flesh gets weak. I was talking to Nate the other day. He said, man, do you ever kind of miss that doer? I said, no, I don't. I don't miss the doer. No, I don't. I like the beer. I like the beer. The doer was tired. The beer feels good. Now, some people don't like the beer. 
They want me to still be the doer. I'm sorry. My prayer for you is that you will be a beer too. And those people that prayed that for me got their prayer answered. So I'm thinking it might happen to you too. Amen. Amen. So this isn't a five-step we leave and here's what you do. Right? We can be right now. This is something everyone here can do right this second. You don't need to be more sanctified. You don't need to be more anointed. You don't need to be more skilled in the word. or You don't need to do anything except be his kid. Being, a, being his kid is just like effortless. You didn't try to be it to be it. So you don't have to try to be it to be it. Just be it. Be aware of it and be it. What happens when you forget the next minute? Well, don't, don't, don't criticize and judge yourself because you're not doing it right. That's just more of the same. Just step back into being. Just be it that minute. Amen? Awesome. Well, Father, I thank you. Daddy, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you have taken the toil. You took the curse out of life. Thank you that you gave us peace, Jesus. Your peace. Thank you that you gave us your relationship with Daddy. Thank you that you put us right in the center of it so that we could experience it and that we could abide in it. Abide in your love. Abide in your peace. Just abide in your your relationship. And Lord, I thank you that everything else from our life flows from this. Our relationships, it's not just about us being together. Because you're not just about us being together. You're about fellowship and love and family and relationships and being with one another as well as with you. Thank you for teaching us how to be. We give you permission to show us how to be. And we thank you, Lord, that from that being, abundant life flows. And we begin to love, yeah, our neighbor as we love ourselves. We can't be with you any other way because that's who you are. The fruit will come from the root. Thank you, Father, for repairing foundations and causing us to unlearn. And I just bless our week. I bless our interactions. I bless our minutes and our moments and our friends and our our work <laughs> with your presence. 
Thank you for stepping with us every moment and helping us to be aware that you're with us and in us and living life through us. And that it is truly no longer us that live. Thank you that the supernatural is easy. It's effortless. It's as simple as listening. And then listening and then listening and then listening and then listening and just following and following and following and following. Thank you, Lord, for undoing every complex thing and every hard thing and bringing us back to just a place of rest. Yay. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.